The Hub is a community. Manuscript, book, and print cultures. Stamping problems. You are listening to a podcast by the Trinity Long Room Hub Arts and Humanities Research Institute. The Hub is a space. Celebrating tenure through the community. Created by Carl Sinclair. The Hub is about impact. The Hub is for everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Shape ID webinar on Transdisciplinary Dialogues, Research and Partnerships for Impact. My name is Jane Olmeyer, and I'm delighted to be the principal investigator for this fabulous Shape ID project. And this is our seventh and final webinar. We've enjoyed this series so much. It's been one of the, I suppose, silver linings of the pandemic that we've had time and motivation to actually. Uh, uh, run these webinars and we've had amazing speakers and really engaged audiences. So really um, uh, uh, thank you again for joining us today. Um, we work in partnership with the Trinity Longroom Hub, which is our research institute um, in the arts and humanities, and they're a core partner in Shape ID. Let me say just a few words about Shape ID. It's um, a program funded by the European Commission under Horizon 2020. Um, and we're addressing the challenges of integrating the arts, humanities and social sciences in interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary research. It's been a, a really uh, joyful and fruitful collaboration led by the Trinity Longroom Hub and partners in ETH Zurich, Isanova in Rome, the University of Edinburgh, the Institute of Literary Research of the Polish Academy of Sciences, and Dr. Jack uh, Spappen. So it's been a very busy time for us. Um, we're nearing uh, the end of the project, but we've completed a literature review, survey, six learning case workshops with researchers, funders, policymakers, and other stakeholders. And we're now nearing uh, the completion of our final toolkit. And just while I mentioned the toolkit, can I also ask you to hold a date? We're gonna be launching the toolkit on the 10th of June. So please pop that in your diary, but also sign up for our mailing list and uh, we'll invite you uh, to the final launch. So these webinars have addressed a very wide range of topics and all of the recordings are available on our website and I'd encourage you to uh, listen back. We've had ones on interdisciplinarity in times of crisis, uh, bridging the gap between arts, humanities and social sciences research and policy. Uh, there was one on best practice in interdisciplinary research with case studies from the neurohumanities. We've had others on funding interdisciplinary research and developing the integration expertise needed for inter and transdisciplinary research. And then our most recent one was learning from digital humanities research infrastructure. So really, again, all about best practice. Uh, today, um, we're looking at transdisciplinary dialogues, and we really are if you want focusing on the trans rather than the inter. Um, and we're very, very keen to explore research in uh, partnerships for impact. Um, and uh, here we are very keen to think about how we can partner with actors in civil society, industry, uh, the cultural sector uh, and citizens to develop societally relevant and impactful uh, research. Uh, I think, um, our understanding of these relationships has really evolved, especially in recent years, to um, uh, 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 ideas around co-creation of research and necessitating the development 
of these very important transdisciplinary uh, dialogues. And we've invited a number of experts who really are engaged in transdisciplinary work to um, allow us uh, to have these uh, conversations. So I am delighted to be invited by three amazing uh, panelists. Um, I mean, be joined by three amazing panelists today. I'm going to introduce them in the order in which they'll speak. Um, so our first um, guest, and uh, Caroline, it's lovely to have you here, is uh, Caroline Neveyan, who is the professor at the University of Amsterdam, and she's been the chief science officer of the city of Amsterdam since 2017. In this role, uh, Caroline orchestrates research between the municipality of Amsterdam and the different scientific academic and artistic universities in the university and with a small team she makes sure that civil servants and researchers can each find each other and invent different ways of working together. I think we've a lot to learn from you Caroline and uh, it's lovely you're with us and you're joined uh, by your colleague Tish uh, uh, von Schindel who actually is going to be with us for the Q&A because uh, Caroline you're going to give your talk we're going to then actually have a few minutes conversation with you uh, before we then move on to our other two speakers simply because you have another engagement that you have to leave for but anyway we'll come back to you in a moment but let me just introduce very briefly uh, Fionn Kidney um, uh, who is the lead at the Human Insights Lab at the DOC in Dublin in Accenture um, uh, and uh, the DOC is Accenture's global research and development um, and innovation center. And he's been building up an interdisciplinary team that includes the arts, humanities and social sciences. Um, and he's really been driving some wonderful conversations around innovation. Um, I'm particularly delighted Fiona's here because um, I have worked and been privileged to work with him uh, over the course really of the last 15 years, because prior to moving to Accenture, he was a very, I mean, hugely valued member of the Trinity family uh, where he worked in both Science Gallery and Science Gallery International. So Fionn, thank you for being here today. And then last but not least, Julia uh, uh, Sonetti, who joins us from Turin. Julia is an assistant professor um, and uh, at the, uh, uh, oh, oh my goodness, uh, Politico di Torino. I, I'm so sorry I butchered that, uh, uh, Julia. And she leads the trust project there, which is transdisciplinarity for urban sustainability transition. And you've been a collaborator with us on Shape ID for some time. And we were delighted that you organized a one of our workshops together with colleagues from Isanova. And it was the last face-to-face -face workshop that we ran. Actually, it was just on the eve of the outbreak of the pandemic. So anyway, it's great you're with us uh, as well, uh, Julia. Over 200 people have registered for the event, which is fantastic. We're also live streaming it on Facebook and there will be a recording to share. The format is as uh, usual, so each speaker has nine minutes and as I say, Caroline, we'll then have a quick conversation after yours and then we'll move immediately to Fionn and, and Julia. Uh, we'd love you to submit your Q&A, uh, so your questions use the Q&A function at the bottom of your screen um, and that then I uh, uh, will uh, ask questions. So maybe say who you are, where you're from, so we get a sense of um, just how many people are joining us from all around Europe, all around the world. We will share the um, links and the references that you post in the chat function. And again, it's a lovely way to introduce yourself and share resources and uh, uh, comments. But please don't ask questions through the chat function, just use the Q&A function. The last thing is if you're on social media, feel free to tweet your hearts out and the hashtags and the handles 
are all in uh, uh, the uh, uh, chat, or I hope they are, they usually are. So without further ado, uh, Caroline, if I can turn to you and invite you to uh, share with us your insights and what we can learn about the amazing work you've been doing. Over to Caroline. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, Trinity is a very favorite place of me in Europe and I love to visit there, so I'm very thrilled to be connected again. And I thank Jack Spaap in particular for inviting me to be present here. Um, yeah, about four years ago, I was appointed uh, chief science officer, which is a new role in town. And what's interesting is that uh, I invited a lot of people in my function the last two years to meet. And we found that in 35 cities in Europe and probably even much many more, a function like mine has been established because the challenges that city face on sustainability, on gaps between rich and poor, on health, on uh, mobility, smart mobility, on living conditions, uh, on the obesitas of our children uh, are very, very profound. And the civil servants who have to deal with these challenges turn to research for help. So you can see that in all these cities, it's called the City Science Initiative. And if you go to, uh, we can put, uh, maybe Thijs can put uh, the link on the, in the chat. I'm very happy my colleague Thijs is here with us. Um, with all these cities, we come together. We are hosted by the Joint Research Center from the European Commission, GRC, but also DJ Reggio and DJ Research. We're part of launching this City Science Initiative which is, as Marie Jeroyani calls it from Israel Innovation, a third space where both the European Commission and the networks and the cities together explore what is this need for research on the local level in cities and regions. And then we find, and we had a lot of... So we've lost audio here. Um, Jane, I think that we've lost, I think Caroline is actually dropping out and coming back in. Okay. I'm not entirely, uh, will we just give it a minute, Francesca? It's just that I'm, we're not hearing anything at the moment. Yeah, I think, yeah, she's fully dropped out. So unless her colleague would like to step in or we should probably just move on to Fiona if that's okay. Okay, Tis, would you like to step in uh, uh, for Caroline at this point? I know she was going to have to go anyway and she was just getting us all, uh, I was gonna say our appetites getting wetted there. It sounded- uh, uh, um, She's coming back right now. Oh, she's coming back. If she drops out again, Tis, we'll just come to you um, yeah. uh, just if there's an issue. Can I suggest it's only audio? It might be easier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's see, Caroline? Well, I'm sorry. Don't worry, Caroline. I'm going to suggest that we don't see you. We just have audio. Um, uh, we did lose you though. So, uh, 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 and if we lose you again, we'll just go to Tis because he's in the room. But please go ahead. Uh, yeah. now. Okay. So I was saying, you still heard that I spoke about all these cities, right? The City Science Initiative. Yeah? Yes. So one of the big conclusions of the City Science Initiative is when you bring research and policy together, you need design at the table. And this is to bridge to go, the process of research is very different than the process of policy. 
But to bring these two together and also to make impact in the city, you need design. And arts and social sciences and humanities are part of this design contribution. So some artists, some social scientists will be part of the, of the, of the research part or of the policy part, but specifically the design part is very fundamental for making impact between research and policy. So we say research policy and design. Then in Amsterdam, um, when I started, I thought, you know, I have this task to bring the challenges of the city connected to the, uh, to the research in the university. So it cannot all go through me. I mean, we have, you know, two universities and a lot of polytechnics. So we started this platform, the openresearch.amsterdam platform. And Thijs can put the link in the chat and he can also talk more about it later. And in this platform, it's a semantic web where all researchers in the city can promote their own research um, and then see how it's related to other people's research. So this is a way that you can not only find the latest research, you also find the people who are working on it, and you can also publish work in progress, which is quite important because like if you look at, for example, obesitas children, it also is connected to how you design public space. So these relations, uh, and it, of course it's still a work in progress, but you know, we want to make this surface much smarter and better. So people realize the, the transdisciplinarity of their challenges. And then uh, once you're doing this research, this transdisciplinary research, and I'm also a professor at university, I work on rhythm and I've been doing for five years now these transdisciplinary research projects in this larger context, which is about designing trust and social cohesion in a, in a city or in a neighborhood. And there you find that when you work in a transdisciplinary fashion, and this is also agreed with all these other cities, the sort of role of the direct, like the director of a film, so the research director who knows who has to speak when and who has insight which is needed to speak up at that particular moment before that other uh, person is crucial for the success of transdisciplinarity. Also, which is very important in transdisciplinary research is that the citizens you work with or the social organizations you don't use them like object of your research. They are participating in your research. So they don't have to co-create. Sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. But they need to have the right to speak up about, about your methodologies, about your findings. They are like key informants that need to be included in the final results. And this is a very fundamental ethical point that needs to be emphasized way too often both artists who think they own communities when they work with people in the streets or researchers who think they can just you know say what people want without actually paying tribute to the fact that every human being and maybe also animals and plants although we don't know yet how to do that properly have a right to to speak up have a right uh, to uh, address the outcome and challenge it and only then outcomes can be validated and that's my last point that in this whole transition of science, I think we also have to go back to the origins, which is how we are witness to each other and how we bear witness to what we see. And being a bearing witness is very fundamental to human social structures, but it's also very fundamental to what we agree on as truth, what we agree on that happened or didn't happen, and what we agree on as what is good to do. So logic is only one way to look at the truth. 
There's also what is good to do. And it's also whose logic, you know, there are perspectives in logic and there are perspectives in truth. And when you do transdisciplinary research, you have to deal with all these issues. And we find that in the open research community, so we have, a, we have our own team is very small. We are five people, but with five people, we generate the work of 150 editors who work in the different districts, in the different faculties, in the research institutes, in the different departments of the municipality. And they are like correspondents sharing their research and they facilitate the work then of 2000 researchers now in the city. And what's quite amazing, we are we not even launched, but we are open as in a, in a work, of, work of progress fashion. Um, we have this 2000 members now, but we find that over a thousand people visit our site a week, which is so, which is, well, it's very nice for us as a compliment, but really it shows how much need for research there is. And if you are a well social worker in a borough, in a neighborhood, you also want to find out about obesitas. You also want to find out about sustainability. You want to know what you can do about climate change or how you can you know, enhance access to mobility. So you see that need for research and also accessible research. So that's a platform, but it's also the summaries you have to make that are accessible to everybody can make a very big difference in a city. That was my, my contribution to your thinking. Well, do you know something, uh, uh, Caroline? It is amazing to hear this story. Now, there are questions in the Q&A, but for some reason, the technology is not actually giving me sight of those questions. I can so, see it. Oh, How oh, you can see I can see them. Okay. How do you manage to raise the interest of the citizens to get involved? Well, as a city science officer, I facilitate the researchers. Sometimes also citizens come to me and then I connect them to researchers. So the interest of the citizens is that they need to find out about something. Yeah. So it's not like they are gonna be part of my song or of my, my little game. No, I have to adapt to their needs, to what they need to find out and they need to solve. Then there's a second question. I'd like to hear from Caroline what has been your biggest challenge in setting the infrastructure to connect researchers and policymakers. Ooh, nice question. Yes, well, I think the my but it has to do with my person. The biggest issue is to navigate the different layers of control. So there are the board people who decide, but they have no time. And then, you know, if you go all the way down, there are the citizens who, who are unemployed, who have all the time in the world. And I have to navigate the landscape between uh, people's uh, agency and power and ability. Also, a city has very limited agency. You're also dependent on national international trade agreements or national governments. But also, you know, every bureaucrat, every colleague in the city, but also every colleague in the university have limited agency. So the biggest challenge is to navigate the different agencies and being able to give people the confidence that they really can make a difference by collaborating. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting that you see once we connect them, and Thijs can all tell, tell many stories about this, once you connect you know, my question to your real question, you don't need anybody anymore. You're just happy to find finally someone you can talk to about all your insights and details and nitty gritty things that are necessary to solve an issue. Then I see a next question. I'm just gonna, I'm rushing, right? Keep going, just keep going. <laughs> okay. Uh, have all Amsterdam ad 
art institutions engaged, including those part of the core team at the Rietveld Academy? Yes. And this is also nice to talk with Thijs about later, but besides the platform, we also have uh, what we call academic works, workshops, research workshops. So these are groups uh, of, um, and also Rietveld is in there. So the arts are in there, the social science are in there, the technology, uh, mechanical, the STEM faculties are in there. And here they based around an issue like urban ecology or food or visualizing complexity or youth futures or you know they they uh, come together every six weeks they share presentations and by showing the work to each other what they're working on very quickly synergy starts to emerge and they're making now bigger proposals together and so these academic workshops is where specifically some people like the Rietveld are really accelerating now because mm. I find also as chief science officer when researchers come into the city or artists very easily, they are an incident, they know one bureaucrat, they work a little bit, and then it's gone. Mm. So one of my biggest challenges and our biggest challenges is to go from incident to structure, to mm. infrastructure. Mm. And those the platform, but also the academic workshops and the networks of editors that we are sustaining and orchestrating, and we invite them and we send presents and all that. We really spend time on these people, mm. especially Thijs spends a lot of time on these people uh, and uh, the, the rest of the team. Um, so that's really important to be very strategic and very a lot of care, like giving a good party. You know, you get only get a good party when you take care beforehand. <laughs> you never know whether it will work. But if you don't take care, you're sure it won't work. <laughs> I, I love that. Do you know, Caroline? Maybe there's two more. One from Michael Butler and Vicky Holland. I now have sight of them. Do you want you okay. can answer them both? quickly i mean it's just great to have you with us and they're both very interesting questions would, would you mind so okay so yes indeed there is an open data platform that complements the research platform guys can put the data in the chat it's data.amsterdam.nl and it's very specifically also we created a governance around this platform so all the boards have agreed that we will share knowledge uh and part of that agreement is that the data will be in a different platform because it's a different kind of uh, privacy protection that is needed and then there was the last one. I think it was Vicky Holland. It sort of moved up a little bit. Maybe let that be your last one. How do you energize researchers to focus on social issues that communities feel really strongly about rather than issues that they as individuals are keen to pursue? This is a very nice question. Tell something about academia. Yeah, I sometimes say to uh, fellow uh, researchers, I say the level of complexity you deal with in, in a month, uh, a civil servant deals with in an hour. <laughs> and um, and so there is a very big so I'm sometimes very um, very confrontational because in researchers think that they know all the, everything best and that's not the situation but it's also for the people in power they also don't know best so it really is in the interaction so I just seduce people to get out of their high horse and open up and if they don't get off their high horse then enjoy your high horse then i don't work with them well listen do you know on that note we're going to close caroline because i know you have to run but actually what you're doing there i think is going to be inspirational for what we're trying to achieve in an irish context we've got a big research republic policy initiative and we are thinking about how you actually do it you guys why are we reinventing the wheel we need to be looking at what you're doing in amsterdam so i'll follow up with you on that uh, uh but uh, obviously tice will join the panel uh, at the end. But thank you very much, Caroline, for your time today. And best of luck with the fantastic work you're doing. So thank you. Thank you.
Good thank luck. You. And I hear from Thais what you will discuss. Bye bye. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline. Fionn, um, uh, we'll go now back to uh, uh, our panel. So Fionn and then and Julia, but over to you, Fionn. Thanks, Jane. And so energized by Caroline. Thank you so much. Um, it was great to hear a little bit about your work in Amsterdam and the parties and the seduction and everything that you guys are doing there. So I'm um, looking forward to hearing from Thais as well a little bit later. Thanks for inviting me to be part of this discussion today. Uh, and it's been great to be part of the Shape ID project. I'm really happy to be here. And over the next few minutes, I'm going to talk about how business sees its role changing in society, why this sparks the need for a deeper integration of social science, arts and humanities and industry, and also why it sets the stage for a new generation of transdisciplinary partnerships. So before I start, I want to share some words by the great cellist Yo-Yo Ma on the nature of interdisciplinarity that were first shared with me by another Trinity alumni, inspirational founding director of Science Gallery, Dr. Michael John Gorman. Ma describes the point where two, or two ecosystems meet as the site of the edge effect and goes on to describe how in that transition zone, you find the greatest diversity of life as well as the greatest number of new life forms. And I think the same is true for this type of group uh, and this type of conversation. And it can be one of those vibrant edge sites where ecosystems meet and new, new life forms. So um, let's talk a little bit about how business sees its role changing in society at the moment. Um, 10 years after Trinity, I'm working at the dock which is the Global R&D and Innovation Center of Accenture. Accenture, as some of you may know, uh, provides services including strategy consulting to some of the world's largest companies, all with the purpose of delivering on the promise of technology and human ingenuity. My personal mission in the sector is to deepen meaningful connection and exchange between business and society, and to advocate for change that's beneficial, not just for business, but for all of its stakeholders. And this is not such a stretch as it was even two years ago. Business leaders, investors, and the public have all signaled the need for more sustainable and societally responsible outcomes for business. In 2019, 50 years after Friedman famously declared the social, the social responsibility of business is to increase its profits for shareholders specifically, 181 global CEOs, including ours, Julie Sweet, signed a statement collectively redefining the purpose of the corporation, stating that companies should create value for all its stakeholders. And stakeholders in this context really means uh, its customers, employees, suppliers, and communities around a business. Also in a 2019 study with the UN Global Compact, we found that 94% of CEOs say sustainability issues are important to the future success of their business. And yet another 2019 study, 74% of people aged 18 to 39 wanted business to take a stronger role and take a stand on issues that are close to their heart. And even Larry Fink, uh, who is the chairman of the world's largest asset management firm and uh, a de facto manager of $9 trillion worth of assets, has said publicly that companies that fulfill their purpose and responsibilities to these wider stakeholders are the ones that will reap long-term rewards, essentially issuing an edict to all other investors towards responsible investment. So do, do these developments represent the first signals of a possible paradigm shift in the contract between business and society? Uh, a growing movement of leaders have spoken of their intent to play a more meaningful role as responsible citizens of the world. However, for all this good intent, one challenge at hand is that neither management education nor traditional leadership and culture styles within business have prepared leaders for this new way of being. So how can we help leaders to move beyond these good intentions and how can we prepare them to meet the needs of people and society and make better decisions for the, this wider group of stakeholders? For the past two years, I've been working to build a team at the dock that can help to support this kind of deeper role for business and society. 
Uh, it's not unusual for innovation projects at the dock to include people with a background spanning AI, design, product and service development, strategy, consulting, software engineering, uh, and often we're working with experts from major multinational clients across industries. But in order to help us go beyond good intentions of creating better outcomes for people and society, our, people, our team adds people with deep expertise in the social sciences, arts, humanities, public engagement and systems design, with a focus on making progress in the areas of sustainability and trustworthy technology. Because progress needs a focus on the human and systemic dilemmas, as well as those presented by the creation of the technology itself. These disciplines can offer business a better means to see, to understand, to act on the needs of and the perspectives of the world around us. The arts, humanities, social sciences provide academically rooted and compelling evidence for greater cooperation and pro-social change. They help us to provoke the social imagination, connecting leaders to the role they can play both as individuals, as Carolyn had kind of mentioned, and also as part of a bigger connected societal system uh, by presenting fresh and radically different perspectives. They also foster the type of skills which are often pointed to by industry as uh, key in dealing with some of our contemporary complex realities and what's often described, especially in industry, as 21st century skills, skills like critical thinking, collaboration, communication, creativity, which of course are all core to the arts, humanities and social sciences for a long time. Um, they also foster nonlinear mindsets like systems thinking, which go beyond design thinking's human or user centricity to see people as actors in society with their own agency beyond their role as users or consumers of products and services. Increasingly too, we are seeing the idea of life-centered design uh, enter a more common, common usage. And this is a view that includes all living organisms on the planet in design too. So through the evidence, provocation and skills provided by these disciplines, we're also laying a firmer foundation for more meaningful transdisciplinary connections with society. However, a foundation is not enough to bring us together to do this work. We're gonna need a shared sense of direction and a set of problems to solve. And a shift towards a focus in solving complex societal issues in a problem-based systematic way is perhaps in my view, the greatest opportunity for us to do meaningful transdisciplinary work together. Uh, personally, I've seen a dramatic rise in people's fluency and application of the UN Sustainable Development Goals in business contexts in the past two years. Universities like Arizona State are fundamentally altering their curricula with a shift to problem-based learning. Uh, Mariana Mazzucato's recently published book continues her emphasis on shared missions, and that's driving some narrative around this at this kind of government level. And also with the increasing focus on business of environmental, social and governance issues in this increasingly responsible business role um, mentioned earlier, greater opportunities for meaningful collaboration between business and society around a shared set of problems in these areas will continue to emerge. So I want to mention two recent examples of uh, inter intersectoral and transdisciplinary partnerships at Accenture. Uh, last year, Accenture signed a partnership with MIT. And what's particularly interesting about this one is that it's centered on the theme of convergence, which is essentially a business terminology for coming together of industries, markets, technologies, disciplines, and sectors. And at the signing event, MIT's president uh, said that it's more important than ever that academia and industry collaborate to address pressing societal challenges and opportunities. Whilst this partnership is still in its early stages, I've been struck personally by its emphasis on how we can work in a collaborative and open way across these sectors and also across industries to solve societal challenges. More recently, actually at Trinity College Dublin, again last week, saw the culmination of the DOC's first artist in residence project, which was in partnership with Science Gallery and set out from a common interest in exploring the idea of individual and collective agency and systems. 
This residency was building on our previous work with artists and curators around team themes like paradox of privacy and regenerative systems, which were the topics of curated exhibitions within our own workspace uh, before COVID, which helped encourage people and clients um, to engage with these kind of big themes of research. Uh, and through this residency, we set out to more fully understand the value exchange of working together across boundaries beyond the likes of funding and, and photo protocols. Uh, through an open call, we selected Multiplay, who are an inter interdisciplinary Spanish collective interested in the complex and fluid systems we all inhabit. Uh, Multiplay's work is also concerned with techno-political infrastructures. Uh, and during the residency, in addition to working with the team at Trinity and Science Gallery, they also worked with people with deep expertise in social science, data science, strategy and design at the dock. Ultimately, the value exchange has been a kind of transformative learn learning experience for both sides around technology, around intersectoral partnership. Uh, and we're now working to fold that learning into future projects as part of a focus on connecting innovation with the greater societal ecosystem. So just to close uh, by circling back uh, on the words of, to the words of Michael John, uh, when he was leaving Science Gallery to set, the set up the fascinating new project in Munich, Biotopia, which I highly recommend you guys check out. It's not open yet, but in development itself, exploring the overlap um, of areas, but in this case, the relationship between humans and nature. Um, and Michael John's parting words from Trinity and Science Gallery were just to stay edgy. Uh, and I think he meant it in every sense of the word. Uh, and I think that I would hope that we can all do the same, uh, that we can seek out the overlapping edges of our disciplines and sectors and even imaginations to create new types of partnerships and possibilities together. Uh, having worked in multiple sectors, I know it can be tempting to view the sector in which we stand as diff a distinctly different world, but I do believe that if we can build a deeper understanding of each other and find fruitful areas of shared inquiry that we'll be able to do much more for the world around us. Thank you. Thank you very much, Fionn, for that really rousing, I mean, fantastic, uh, 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 lots of insights there we'll come back to. So thank you. Uh, Julia. Okay, thank you so much. I resonate a lot with the, uh, both Fionn and Caroline overview on the importance of giving voices to unheard voices, like all human natures and all kinds of cultures and mindset, but also plants, animals, all, all living organisms on this earth. Um, I'm going to explore uh, the highlights uh, coming from 17 uh, uh, transdisciplinary workshop that I held during my latest H2020 project. It was called Shape Energy kind of similar to the shape ID one. And I will use the storytelling tool as the excuse to talk about what are the real barriers and opportunities when you want to put transdisciplinarity into practice. So moving from the theory onto the field application on transdisciplinary work. Um, what I'm going to present are some results from this uh, uh, Europe-wide uh, um, 17 uh, workshop that were aimed to um, engage uh, both uh, enterprises and citizens and uh, uh, academics around uh, um, local policy energy issues. Um, of course, storytelling uh, was one of the methods we used to understand how to implement uh, the dialogue among the, all those stakeholders. The gap was that uh, local energy policy agendas have ultimately required commonly defined and des desirable future vision, vision. And to build this collective agenda, of course, you, you need to put a lot of effort, as Caroline was saying, to design those transdisciplinary work. 
but most of the time, those uh, those strategies and those design are unsuccessful in uh, two main ways. One is about the inclusion, because methods designed for transdisciplinarity often uh, uh, do not sufficiently open up to deliberative processes for those people, perspectives and voices that might be not feel competent or able to participate. The other aspect in which sometimes we fail is about really put in dialogue on the same level uh, SSH practitioner, people and STEM scientists. Efforts to, to envision desired futures building from current local energy challenges are usually designed by a oriented to specialists, whether in energy policy or business or in academics, they seldom involve a full range of stakeholders in their making. Um, and that's led me to the, uh, to the main barriers that inter interdisciplinary research is facing. Uh, from the literature, we know that language, terminology, and communication issues are one of the most uh, uh, challenging factors, but also the dominant structure within university or uh, communities or uh, research centers. And also time is a real, real uh, a challenge because all those design require extra time that almost nobody has. <laughs> And last but not least, transdisciplinarity is hard to evaluate, harder maybe, also in terms of funding proposals. So uh, during my research project, this trust, um, uh, you, you may find it uh, also in the presentation I will share with you. Uh, in the interviews with all the um, chief uh, uh, scientific officer of the research center I interviewed all over the world, they told me that the individual inertia of those people and also the structural financial uh, policy and evaluation criteria are really, really, really hindering the success of those transdisciplinary practice. However, with the storytelling, we, we try to explore what local energy challenges were, um, could be better highlighted or maybe backgrounded through the use of one of those storytelling uh, methods and how the theoretical strengths of those methods, as well as many other transdisciplinary methodology, turn out to play out in practice. Um, just to give you a, a little uh, background of the storytelling, this is uh, an important device in helping people from different disciplines and different domains better understand the world and each other working on applied environmental problems, including also the story world to work out outside the normal constraints. It's old now since the prehistory, maybe people were using storytelling to, to transmit knowledge and to communicate. Um, the methodology was chosen because of its capacity to support a crucial process in those dialogues that is the, not only the learning, but the un unlearning among group of variety stakeholders. And because of the potential of storytelling to allow above all for empathy, and problem solving, inclusion, and participation of different voices impacted by the local policy process in a conflict-laden discussion. So, um, of course, the main objective of those 17 uh, city workshops was to take a local-related energy challenges. So, as uh, Caroline was saying, we, we really asked people what, what were the real needs of those people, and so the, the needs faced by that, that city that hosted the workshop. 
um, of course, uh, in the in the presentation I will uh, handle uh, to you later, you will find also video and voices from uh, from the people. But uh, just to present you the results, um, three local policy uh, challenges uh, were being discussed specifically due to the storytelling methodology, and that were the relationship between stakeholders. So all the issues uh, related to trust, mistrust, and power relationship really emerged thanks to this storytelling. Second, the complexity of the issue when they played out at local level. Uh, so really making people talk about how they were experiencing blackout during their daily life really put, a, put, a, put an highlight on the uh, domestic issue that played out in that city. Uh, third, the clear perspective on end users and their needs. Of course, this um, this may also act as a, as a barrier when you you know you make problem emerge. For instance, fears, mistrust, and hierarchies of gender play the major role in weakening the effectiveness the effectiveness of storytelling. Fear of legal burdens and sanction among business representatives. Fear of the complexity of the of duracy and the unpopularity of a change on a long time span by local authorities fear to be cheated or exploited by, by business companies. Uh, as uh, you were saying also, uh, Fionn, that citizens must uh, feel not just end user, but part of, of the process. Um, mistrust in also in the EU national and local institution fed by citizens. And from most of the stories, fears emerge as the actual underlying energy policy challenge among all the stakeholders. Um, second, the storytelling helped us in, see, uh, in seeing a, a clearer, complex picture when people was allowed to listen to the other's point of view. The complexity behind were most thoroughly discussed and understood as proper elements for taking decision. Uh, third, on the ground, we also felt uh, that along the stories, even not explicitly, but we felt that bias, personal and cultural characteristics of actual stakeholders really are a vital aspect to take into account while reading the stories and searching for policy advice. So uh, to conclude, storytelling versus practice uh, was uh, a winning battle because we really, apart from the fact that we enjoyed so much to engage in with so, such uh, funny, funny methodology and uh, to, to, to see real people behind the, behind the mask. Now we were every day at work and uh, outside but really was useful to, to, to engage in learning and unlearning uh, to, to provide um, like the excuse to be more empathic no? when you put yourself in the shoes of others, thus promote a conflict solving attitude, uh, increase the inclusion and the participation of different voice and facilitating the setup of a collaborative action also to take forward. Of course, that there have been a lot of cynicism and suspicion in some uh, in some of the cities' uh, workshop. And time is key to the success, of course, because if you don't prepare the the table uh, well enough, you won't have time to to discuss uh, properly also the, this new methodology. And then uh, it was nice to to listen to Caroline. She said that uh, the research director is like a movie director. I, I, I kind of feel myself like a movie director or a, a wedding planner when I have to, to 
to plan this workshop because an accurate stakeholder profile scan and knowing when somebody has to talk with, it's uh, crucial to, to set up a real collaborative environment. And the mediator and the, and the feeling you, you set up is uh, really crucial to, to, to also engage in a playful way with the stakeholder. Uh, I may finish here and uh, welcome every, uh, any other question. Thank you very much, uh, Julia. Again, I love these two talks. They're very complimentary. And I love the granularity of the case studies that you've presented as well. And this highlighting of what Fionn called the 21st century skills um, that the, the arts and humanities and social sciences bring to this. And, you know, the I was going to say it's a long list, but, I, you know, the empathy, the perspective, the problem solving, the nonlinear thinking, the creativity, so on and so forth. And, and, and again, I just think very rich. Now, there's lots of questions coming up and I can actually see the Q&A this time. So uh, let me guide it a little bit and even if a question is directed to one I think it'd be lovely if, if, if everybody wants to come in on the answer including of course tease yourself if, if you have anything to I mean from the great work you're doing in, in Amsterdam but the first question is to you Fionn from Paul Bulger who says great talk great to hear about industry uh, uh, thinking about transdisciplinary transdisciplinary collaborations in terms of research how do you get university industry to focus on larger societal research questions rather than research uh, 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 focus on productivity technology innovation I mean that's cuts to the chase um, of, of, of I think some of the dilemmas but Fionn how, how would you respond to Paul and then I will actually come to Julia if you wish please but go ahead Fionn Yes, thanks, Paul, for the question. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, that's a, a dilemma, all right? For, I guess in my experience, uh, in my role at the DOC, we're the Global R&D and Innovation Centre for Accenture. So we have the luxury, I guess, of spending a proportion of our time on kind of core research that allows us to start these transdisciplinary conversations with the likes of Trinity College. And so take, for example, themes like the relationship between uh, humans and, and machines or uh, you know this is a topic that I, I know is dear to Jane's heart and in Trinity and also uh, at uh, Accenture obviously so you know this is a an example of how these big kind of core themes that are kind of linked and you know link very naturally with big societal challenges become the platform for us to create joint conversations and obviously from those conversations there's going to be uh, thinking that happens and research that happens that's enlightening for both sides there's going to be learning that happens for both sides, hopefully transformative learning. Um, and then also, uh, you know, there's insights that will come from that that will enable us, for example, in Accenture um, to build uh, products and services that are better for people and society um, due to that deeper understanding uh, and engagement with research in, in the area. Thanks very much, Fionn. I'm really glad to hear you mention uh, uh, Human Plus and we'll put a link to that project in the uh, chat function because it's a live collaboration between Trinity and Accenture. We're currently actually recruiting 24 month postdoctoral fellows. And it's very interesting as we've been having these conversations to see how these tensions, they're not tensions, I think, you know, they are and they're not. I think it's, 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 it's sort of helped focus everybody's minds a little bit, but obviously the academic timeframe and the industry timeframe aren't necessarily aligned. And for me, that's probably one of the biggest conversations to be had, but also it's making sure we all speak the same language. Um, but anyway, it's, I mean, it's been a very productive and I hope it's gonna be a very important project as well. Julia, do you want to come in on this question, um, please go ahead. 
well, I'm uh, I'm reading also through the question. And before answer. we go to the next one, I just I'm just I'm, I mean, do you have anything to add here, Ortiz? If not, we'll go to the next question. Um, no, I, we we can. I mean, I I'm totally aligned with uh, with what Fion said, okay. and yeah. Uh, Tease, you're also completely aligned. You've nothing to add there. Uh, yeah, well, in our case, we don't like stimulate, uh, we cannot force universities or companies to focus more on to the address societal issues. Uh, however, we do um, prefer to uh, stimulate it more indirectly by asking for uh, knowledge that's focusing or on more societal issues. So that's why we create this collaborative working spaces, uh, which solely addresses themes like how we do we address societal issues or rats in the cities and which researchers do we need to align together in order to tackle these questions and from there on also universities get to know from hey the municipalities asking more and more for our specific knowledge which only addresses societal issues so yeah uh, we're more in an in, indirect way of stimulating this process yeah but but you can't underestimate the power of that interface Jan, back to you I was just going to ask Thies actually, um, you know, have you found in those contexts, and I was going to ask Carolyn, um, that there are members of industry or local businesses even that are getting involved in those conversations? Yeah, I have to credit uh, solely Caroline for this because as uh, in our double function as both the chief science officer and her um, as a professor at the University of Amsterdam, she just knows she has the right network to connect all these uh, um, I, I think one valuable thing to add here is that um, we see a lot of these positions like hers, like chief science officers in different cities have a successful way of um, uh, connecting the right dots in this way. Um, however, we also can see it goes wrong often because then a municipality wants to uh, control the position too much. And we can see that this position can only succeed if you give it uh, some sense of freedom uh, in order to cooperate with universities and stakeholders. Yeah. I love the way Caroline, Caroline was talking of kind of the need to kind of chair the conversation and making sure that everybody was heard. And it really reminds me of the last conversation in this series. We were talking about this role of the interdisciplinary integrator. And it is about a little bit about throwing the party. You know, it's like, how can you make sure everybody feels welcome and comfortable and meets each other? Um, so thanks. Thanks, Lise. Yeah, no, I agree. And there's reciprocity there and respect. I mean, there's a lot of learning. Julian, the next question though is for you. It's from uh, Margot uh, Bezzi. And the question is, for, for, starting with Julia, but please, uh, uh, everybody should feel free. How can we learn about the storytelling methodology applied to science and research context? So in other words- yeah. Actually, we have, uh, we, we have published, uh, I published two articles that I uh, put on the, on the chat, but then on the Shape Energy website, we, uh, we had a deliver about, um, it was a, a guideline for storytelling applied to science and research. I will uh, send you the link. It's a free, uh, open, an open access uh, publication. And actually, Marta, it's a related question. Can you give us some details, examples of an activity mm -hmm. you, you mm -hmm. use? Well, for instance, uh, I, I used to play in an improv theater company, so I, I use a lot of those techniques to, to you know, do ice breaking and embodied practices to feel like also with the body some movement and gestures to, to play out a picture, for instance, uh, uh, putting yourself in the shoes of a plant or an animal that was affected by a certain situation. So uh, we, we, we gave some, uh, uh, some elements in these guidelines 
but then it's really up to you, I guess, up to the mediator and the facilitator to have fun and know how far you can bring yourself forward. Just to pick up on the previous question, I didn't want to adapt my voices because also in the, in the Polytechnico, it's not easy to, to, to play out these techniques uh, without uh, feeling, uh, you know, uh, the strange and the weird uh, researcher <laughs> that want to, to set up this collaborative uh, um, table. But uh, for instance, when I, when I try to bring industries into this project without, uh, you know, making them think that I'm just a consultant that want to, you know, greenwashing or rainbow washing their product, it's hard to make them feel the urgency to, to really change this paradigm, to shift towards a new paradigm. And uh, that's why I didn't want to, to put the dark shades on, uh, on the beautiful Amsterdam example, because in Italy it's so hard. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to, to get them on board when uh, you, you want to, to lift and, the current, and change the current stream of practices, yeah. Do you find that in, in this kind of moment, I guess, where, where most of us are on lockdown to varying extents, you know, like how have you guys reacted to that? Because we've definitely found it's more challenging to engage people remotely. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, like ways of storytelling, just to go back to that, that project or that question, you know, in, in the past, we've done things like exhibitions. And again, having the embodied presence of being in a room with people is just incomparable in terms of the impact and exchange you can have. How have you guys kind of reacted to that a little bit? So what have you learned? I, I personally am part of a postdoc academy for transformational leadership, and uh, we use a lot of uh, theory U techniques as well. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with that. It's a theory of change developed at MIT, and I'm a fellow of this presenting institute where those practices are, are now given online. So we, we actually um, build a circle of uh, practitioners of those uh, uh, embodied practices online just to play out uh, um, you know, with closed eyes and uh, maybe a more comfortable environment in which you can really feel present with yourself. So somehow we try to take the best of the situation out. And the best is that you are alone, not distracted in a comfortable environment in which you can really play out and experiment something that you maybe wouldn't do in front of many other people. So there are actually a circle of people, um, techniques that are working online as well, trying to make the, the, the most out of it, of course, with the limits, but it can be done. Do you know, Julia, please put that link if you don't mind. Sure. It's lovely to have that. I think sure. a lot of people would be genuinely interested seeing about how we, before we move on, Fionn, in terms of this using narrative, is that something that you do in the doc? Yeah, I mean, you know, like our, yeah. I guess, primary, sorry, our primary audience would be kind of our clients and our people internally in Accenture. And definitely, yeah, we look to build stories around these big themes that can help bring people together internally, as well as help us engage people outside Accenture. Um, and so in the past, we've, for example, we've we've had exhibitions where we've brought um, uh, work from artists into the dock um, to engage people with these big themes um, at a kind of a higher level. Um, and re really kind of to go back to what Julia is saying, I think there's definitely ways you can innovate in this in this moment. Mm -hmm. um, I, just personally, I'm missing the canteen in our place, you know, because that's where you get to meet, meet people, you know, and, and the likes of just being up, being on campus in a university together is a natural transdisciplinary uh, mixer. You know, so I think that, that those bits are really missing at the moment, I think, for interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary work. So um, what we've done in, in, in the doc anyways, we, we try to um, kind of, I guess, 
we have an event called Collider, for example, that kind of collides research, researchers and the ideas that are happening and what's going on in the world. Um, but it's definitely a challenge at the moment in terms of maintaining those interdisciplinary, transdisciplinary relationships, as well as telling stories um, and, and having to innovate around that too. I'd like to go to the next question, please, unless, I, 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 again, if you want to get involved, just give me a signal, but um, maybe the next question is for Fionn, it's from Giovanna Lima, and it's, what advice uh, would you give researchers, Fionn, on finding industry partners for transdisciplinary projects and, and vice versa? Yeah, I mean, you know, a little bit back to what I was saying before, look for the companies that might have a natural fit uh, with the type of problem you're looking at. Uh, I'd really recommend anybody who's interested in taking a systems uh, mindset to, to kind of your area of research. It could be a really useful way to identify who are the possible uh, partners you could work with to solve your problem. They're going to be the people who are part of the same system that you're looking at. They might not be in exactly the same area. Um, and actually, I'd recommend a course that's uh, being run by the Acumen Academy, which is uh, kind of a social impact driven learning platform. Uh, it's free. It's called uh, Systems Practice. There's another intake in May. And anybody who's interested in kind of mapping out the system around their area of research in order to identify who might be some of the companies who would be relevant to their research. Um, it's a really great methodology and just great generally, I think, for, for today's world. So do check that out, Acumen Academy Systems Practice course. Thank you very much. Again, a lot of creative, innovative people out there doing amazing stuff during lockdown. I'd like to, there's an, an interesting question from uh, 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 Gray uh, Cochler Lindgren um, about, do any of you include undergraduates or postgraduates formally in your processes? Um, Tease, do you want to start with that? And we'll sort of uh, 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 invite all of the panel to, to respond to that one. You're muted. Uh, yeah, very interesting uh, question, of course. Um, actually, Caroline set up a new project in, uh, in the municipality where she made it possible actually for municipal servants to um, to do a PhD actually track. So it's now possible for uh, municipal civil, uh, civil servants working at the municipality of Amsterdam to do a PhD at the municipality while still working at the municipality. And this uh, creates kind of a new uh, perspective uh, both on the people working in the municipality, but also it creates a new possibility. And it's now not exclusive anymore to be at a university to uh, to graduate in, uh, in, the, in this in the system, which is a, yeah has been a very popular. Um, uh, I think we have uh, every year we max out our applications for the for doing a post uh, postdoc at the municipality now. And that's fascinating. Can I ask you about undergraduates? Have you even tried to engage with undergraduates? Undergraduate, like students? Hmm. Uh, yeah, we work with uh, several uh, different facilities. For, for example, the Green Campus. So Caroline told about these academic working spaces where like designers, policymakers and researchers meet. And um, uh, in those groups, Undergraduates are uh, regularly introduced, uh, actually, awesome. um, uh, by uh, presenting uh, their new uh, master thesis about a new subject for biodiversity in cities and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's a constant coming and going of undergraduates as well. Yeah. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, Julia, can I ask you from your perspective, this engagement with students? Well, um, in my case, uh, since the, I, I work in um, the framework of H2020 project, we cannot engage them formally. But of course, we try to uh, develop with them maybe master thesis or PhD thesis, um, drawing from the result of our uh, activities. 
for instance, I'm involved. I'm uh, now with Trust uh, in making up a podcast series to give them voices about what they would like to hear now that we cannot provide during our ter ter terrible, terrible uh, distance uh, learning uh, um, uh, courses. So, for instance, I try to involve them on all the extra activity, both on research and teaching, to 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 feel their need and to give them the possibility to link with the voices they want to be engaged with. Mm. Great, thank you very much. And I see Duren has put in the, the work, I mean, in the chat function, um, a, a, a very interesting yeah. bachelor's, transdisciplinary bachelor's program, fantastic. Fionn, obviously you're in industry. I know that you've been very welcoming of uh, interns who have been early career researchers. And then of course, through the Science Gallery, you are reaching out to the whole full spectrum of university students. But again, I'm just curious to think about the opportunities you see about engaging uh, with students. Yeah, I mean, you know, wherever there's joint interest, there's joint potential to kind of to link, I think. And we've found anyway, and being neighbors of Trinity College, I guess, um, is where natural relationships have been. But we've brought, for example, researchers in from the, um, from the Long Room Hope there in Trinity. Um, and that you know the, to to varying kind of great ex, great extents of success um and you know it's been really um impactful in our team to see people come in who are postgrads and even kind of watch them adapt to this new context and learn and kind of apply academic methodologies in a business context um so i think there's loads of learning that can happen there as well we haven't worked so much with with uh, undergrads um but definitely with postgrads i think for industry um there's huge potential mm. And can I ask you, do you see it as a talent pipeline? You know, I'm just thinking of the motivation there, or you just see it, no, it's about solving particular problems or maybe a combination of both. I think, again, we might be a little bit of an exception at the moment in terms of the type of team we are, you know, um, because I think this is something that business is kind of trying to get its head around, integrating this kind of more pro-social view. Um, so I think the types of roles that we are, we've been hiring for are quite unusual in the market, let's say in the talent market. Mm. Um, but I definitely feel that there is going to be a strong demand for these type of skills in the future. Mm. Um, at the moment, more in terms of the social sciences, I think that's going to develop to include the arts and humanities, which are often kind of harder to, uh, they're critical to early stages of conversations and enlightening the conversation, but often are not seen in the end product so visibly. Um, so not as valorized necessarily all the time, but. Um, learning how to integrate them is going to be uh, important as well. So yeah, right across social science, arts and humanities, I think the, there is potential in the future for new types of, of roles. And generally speaking, I think the perspective of being more um, kind of oriented towards people and society because of your academic background, I think will be uh, more qualifying for any role in industry um, yeah. because that's the way things are going. So, you know, huge potential for, for the grads, I think. Do you know what always amuses me, and, and not amuses me, but is very sobering, is to see that industry is inherently interdisciplinary. It's us in the universities who aren't. So, I mean, and it's that interface, that transitional pace that I think we need to get right. We've got time for one last question, and we'll take it from Michael Butler. Uh, it's, could the panellists expand on how participative work and bridging activities have been integrated into public or private decision-making and planning. I don't know who'd like, anyone like to take that one first? I can say that uh, 
at least in Turin, um, when the industry decided that they have a need, <laughs> they will go through it and they will, of course, uh, use the academics to understand what are the theoretical concepts uh, behind it, but also those techniques like storytelling or whatever to bring citizen in and, and create uh, uh, like direction for a change. But I have to say that if they don't put money to say, okay, we want to change because of that, 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 uh, it's quite uh, uh, impossible to, to provoke both from bottom-up initiatives or from academic initiatives such impact in the, in the society. At least this is my experience here. Well, do you know, when it comes to money, for me, the money comes from two sources primarily. One is if you want the funding agencies, so the European Commission, and then at a national level, who are trying to, if you want, incentivize this behavior by actually saying, well, we're not going to fund that mission, to go back to something earlier, unless there is true and meaningful inter and transdisciplinarity. The second the Commission is brave enough to do that, behaviors will change and it will become, if you want, genuinely uh, uh, IDR and DDR. I think the other thing is actually the marketplace itself. And that's where what Fiona's doing is, I, you know, Accenture is, is ahead of the game as is you, you need to be because, but you're actually shaping uh, agendas in, in terms of uh, enterprise. And by placing not just the social sciences, but the arts humanities very at the center of the agenda, that will actually drive behaviors as well because people vote with their feet. And I've been very struck around the conversations around COVID-19. I don't know if Jeffrey Krosick is still uh, on the call, but we have, a really wonderful external advisory board for Shape ID that includes Fionn and colleagues who are in the Zoom room. And we were having a conversation only last week and obviously on the foot of COVID, um, how we engage around fear and how we understand fear is very much, and fear has been just such a feature of our life for the last 12 months. But, but that's where the historians really can come into their own. The anthropologists can come into their own. But I think, and I speak as a historian, it's very important that within those academic disciplines that we fully appreciate and understand how we can make that leap uh, actually, because it's not always clear to us the importance of perspective or empirical evidence here. I'm thinking of fake news. So, so I, you know, there's so much work that remains to be done at both sides of the house. Um, uh, can I turn to you, uh, Tees? Do you want to comment uh, uh, on, 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 on Michael's question or add anything? We're coming towards the end of the conversation now. Yeah, I'm thinking of, uh, there are numerous examples of how participative work and bridging activities can be integrated in public decision-making. Uh, I'm thinking concretely in the example of area planning because we had a little trauma in Amsterdam back in 2014 where we made a new area plan and after building it, this, the civilians didn't quite like it and actually started protesting. So now uh, there are multiple new um, yeah, uh, ways of developing uh, ways to integrate uh, opinions or of the stakeholders, researchers and more into urban planning. And a beautiful example is the uh, play the city of the Turkish architect. Um, and she created a new uh, methodology uh, which looks like a game where uh, stakeholders, companies, municipality, and also civilians are being put together on the table to say like, hey, how do we want our future uh, neighborhoods and planning to look like? And from these games, she creates like a universal language where people actually understand each other and uh, people have the, uh, the, the feeling they really can contribute to the 
uh, future of the city. So that was an example I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh, and it's a fantastic example. Again, I don't know if it's available or we can pop a link in, in the chat. But again, yeah. yeah, just because, you know, this is these really creative examples where people feel their voices are, are heard. It builds trust. I mean, it's so important. Fionn, can I ask you, I was going to say the final word, but just certainly in terms of this, that, that question, if you'd like to add anything or, or just any reflection as we come to a close. Yeah, I mean, like in a private uh, context, you know, I can't talk to specific examples, but I think any kind of participative dialogue or transdisciplinary dialogue is going to enhance the outcomes for everybody. That's, mm. you know, I love the way kind of you're touching on fear earlier on, um, Julia, you know, I think this is a big problem uh, in any sector. People are afraid, they're paralyzed. You know, they're going through the pain of having to make big decisions that affect people's lives. And I love the focus as well on empathy um, because I think that's really kind of what we can all build for each other. Um, and it's been really wonderful to, to listen to you guys today. Um, and it's, it's given me a little bit more empathy for kind of what your own, your own roles. And, and I think that, that if we can do that increasingly, that's where better outcomes and decision-making will come from. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And again, it takes us back to the human and the importance of putting that human experience and that's the meat and potatoes of the humanities, of, of, of the arts and the social sciences. So very much so. So as we wrap things up, I don't know if any of our panels want to have any to say anything else or you feel that we've covered. The, I don't want you to leave the Zoom room burning to say anything. I don't see any hands. Uh, Julia, do you want to, sorry, did you want to say something else? No, just, uh, just a warm thank you from the heart. And I, I carry with me the importance of care. I mean, we, we tip on, uh, tap on uh, fears and emotion. And I think to, to feel the empathy, we have to train it like a muscle and to start training it, it, it really requires courage and care. So let, let, let's stay together in this effort. Well, what an inspiring note to finish on courage, care, empathy, um, you know, emotion, because that's the essence of being human. So thank you very much indeed. Um, I just want to just wrap things up with just a few very brief um, uh, uh, announcements. Um, you will get a short survey after the webinar and a reminder tomorrow. It's great if you can give us your feedback because we're always learning uh, about how we can do this better. This is our last webinar. Uh, we will be organizing that final stakeholder event. And obviously we do hope that you'll join us for that. We'll also organize some smaller events to share out our toolkit in, in May and June. So again, please sign up if you're not on the mailing list and we'll be sure to keep you uh, uh, in the loop around all of this. There are a couple of other opportunities that we just want to flag with you. And again, we can put it in the chat function. The International Transdisciplinar Transdisciplinarity Conference is taking place online this September and the call for papers is open if anybody wants to get involved with that. Uh, the other thing is just to mention that Julia and our Shape ID colleague Bianca are co-editing a special issue of the Environment Development and Sustainability Journal and are calling for papers on transformative learning for urban sustainability. Uh, so please, if anybody uh, has something they want to contribute to that, um, uh, we'd love to hear from you. And just to say, we will circulate a, a, a link to the conversation today if you want to listen back. 
I certainly want to listen back. I think it's been extraordinarily insightful. Um, and then the chat, there's been a lot of great stuff being shared in the chat that we'll, we'll share with everybody. Um, and I suppose the final thing I want to do is just a few big, 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 big thank yous. I want to thank my colleagues uh, in the Trinity Longroom Hub and the project manager for Shape ID, Darren. I don't know if we can spotlight Darren uh, or she's she's probably maybe hiding uh, Francesca, but you know, Darren, this is the last webinar. You have done a superb job as you always do organizing them, thinking about them. Um, and it really is a very heartfelt thanks thanks from me but I think everybody involved in Shape ID and everybody who's benefited from these webinars so thank you very very much I also want to thank the technical team at the hub and I know that Francesca isn't going to highlight herself but but uh, Francesca and the whole team at the hub who makes uh, these events run so smoothly I want to thank you our audiences who have joined us uh, with such loyalty but also with such passion and commitment over uh, the last 12 months this has been as I say the silver lining of Covid um, and hopefully uh, we can continue the conversations long beyond the finish of, of Shape ID because this is clearly a conversation that just needs to get fired up and then finally I want to thank our fantastic speakers today Caroline was just inspiring at, at Tease uh, thank you again for joining us and of course at uh, Julia and uh, Fionn you You've been absolutely awesome so if everybody can unmute themselves or uh, wherever they are in the privacy of their own homes uh, and give everybody a great round of applause and thank you very very much indeed everybody uh, stay well stay safe and look forward to, to seeing you again soon but for now thank you so well done everybody and bye bye. The Hub is a community. Manuscript, book, and print cultures, stamping provenance Languages towards the history of the Time of Year Library. As well as being heard. The Hub is a space. Contemplating Ireland through the communities this created by Coral The Hub is about impact. The Hub is for everyone. The rise of feminism. Here's to the next 10 years.